Thank you. So, welcome to Oasis Winter School. Uh, in the face of God, and I think it's Monday the 14th of January 2008, just to locate where we are. And we'll just pray before we start and see actually where God's going to take us. Father, thank you. Father, let your peace come to our hearts. Father, would you let faith rise with the word of the Lord today. And the word of the Lord is that you love us. That you're not disillusioned with us because you never had any illusions in the first place. You knew exactly what you were taking on. You're so wonderful. You know everything. You know us so well. You know everything about us and you love us. So Father, I ask that the love of God, the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit will rule us this day. That Father, whatever you want to say will be said. Whatever you don't want to say won't be said. That Father, you will come and comfort our hearts wherever that comfort is needed that we will see your smile and your thumbs up and I'm in control just seeping into our hearts Father because some of us Father it's a bit like filter coffee it drops through in small droplets rather than a great gusher so Father whatever we can receive would you cause us to receive more? However saturated we are, Lord, would you saturate us even more? Father, would you change our eros into agape? Would you show us what the difference is so that your love might flow through us in such a profound way that it touches everyone with whom we come into contact? Father, we would position ourselves under your spout of blessing under your favour because we are your children and you delight in us so bless us with your presence and bless us with your word to us Father this day in Jesus name and for his sake Amen Going off my schedule to start with. I want to start, I think it all dear, is it 2 Corinthians 4? And da, 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 da. No, it's 2 Corinthians 1 is where I want to go. It's all about comfort. Just want to start with a little bit about comfort. Paul in 2 Corinthians 1 verse 2 says grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ and he goes on to say blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ Christ the Father of mercies and God of all comfort who comforts us in all our tribulation that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God for as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation or comfort also abounds through Christ. 
Now if we're afflicted, it's for your consolation or comfort and salvation, which is effective for enduring the same sufferings which we also suffer. Or if we are comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. And our hope for you is steadfast, because we know that as you are partakers of the sufferings, so you will also partake of the consolation. I didn't intend to start here, but this is where God is leading me to start. And it is that is what is Graham would call an inheritance word. It's a word for the particular part of the journey that I'm on at the moment, and Joyce is on at the moment. Um, and he gave it to me uh, at the beginning of all the problems that some of you know that Joyce has uh, going through a little bit at the minute. And he gave me this uh, word of comfort. And I think it's seven times in those few verses the word comfort is mentioned. And God is your comforter, the Holy Spirit is your comforter. But mainly, uh, Graham says it's worth having a day of trouble to know the Holy Spirit as your comforter. Um, and some years ago I said to him, can I know you as comforter? He said, no, I want you to know me as your confidence right now. Don't run ahead of me. So now I'm in the position of where he's my comforter. Um, when you go up a level, how many of you know that you can meet a bigger devil and you also meet bigger opposition in terms of your walk? Uh, and for a minute we just completely get knocked sideways. We're like weebles, we wobble, but we don't fall down. There's one there. Um, so what I would say to you if you're taking notes is for sure take the scriptures. Just take, a, uh, take a, a reference of the scriptures. And I felt that the Holy Spirit said to me last night, He will bring to your re recollection what I've said around the scripture that you read. Or He'll bring to you what you need to know. <clears throat> so I'm aiming to do short sessions ish. Um, give you plenty of time for actually reflecting on what's being said plenty of time to do business with God in your heart because you're here to meet him not me it's in the presence of God that, that this is all about and that is what you will find you are in you're cocooned here in his presence so I just want to read Psalm 91 which if the Lord will is something we'll get round to about Thursday um, but we'll start with it now so it's like a pair of bookends we'll start and end with it he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide <coughs> under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him will I trust. Surely, absolutely, He shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in the darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked. 
because you have made the Lord who is my refuge even the most high your habitation no evil shall befall you nor shall any plague come near your dwelling for he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways they shall bear you up in their hands lest you dash your foot against a stone you shall tread upon the lion and the cobra the young lion and the serpent you shall trample underfoot because he has set his love on me therefore I will deliver him I will set him on high because he's known my name he shall call upon me and I will answer him I will be with him in trouble I will deliver him and honor him with long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation there was a word some years ago I think it was uh, Smith Wigglesworth somewhere around 1949 and he said that the, the days were coming when the spirit and the word would come together and then there would be a revival the like of which the world had never known and I firmly believe we're in that time as I'll say to you later on we're in a new time a new era in God something has shifted uh, and we're just in a completely different time frame so when I was preparing this first session I was busy turfing out material you see to do a recap on the first two schools I thought that was a sensible thing to do the first one was regaining your inner territory all about your inner life and the second one entering in which was entering into the power and presence of God but God said no recap that was my first hiccup as far as I was concerned so if you want to hear the other two schools we have got CDs here so you need to see June and um, get your ears around those if you want to so I've already said that the outline program for today is return to first love uh, you remember that in Revelation that she didn't lose it she left it uh, sometimes we've never had it tomorrow if uh, the Lord will we're going to do beholding and becoming Wednesday cycles of intimacy and Thursday abiding in the secret place which is Psalm 91 that I've already read you there all of this teaching pretty well is based and filtered on Graham Cook's material sprinkled with a little sousant of Bob Mumford and filtered through the way that I've lived it over the past five ten years what I'm teaching is my experience of life in the spirit and what God is saying to me prophetically right now fresh hot bread enjoy wanted Joyce to cook bread this morning she did but unfortunately it didn't fill the house with the smell of bread that I wanted it to because I wanted you guys to come in to the actually to the aroma of fresh bread I said I bet you can get a spray for that these days <laughs> you get a spray for everything can't you leather everything <coughs> So my aim is to send you away from here with a new song in your mouth. A new song is when God reveals himself or a situation in a completely different way. You get a paradigm shift in your thinking in a way that it causes your heart to sing. And you will sing to him. Psalm 33.3 says, sing to him a new song. It's not to each other, it's to him. Your primary relationship is always vertical not horizontal so we've got Our Lady that some of you would have seen on Saturday 
For those of you listening on CD, it's a picture that I'll enclose with the CDs of a young lady or an old hag, depending on which way you see it. So if you can see the old hag, try to discern the young lady, because we're going from an old hag to a bride. Graham Cook says he's not coming back for an acne-ridden old hag, he's coming back for a beautiful bride. So we are in a time of paradigm shift. A paradigm shift is where something you've watched and looked at for a long time suddenly changes shape. You get a different aspect on it completely. There are copies of that here if you want them. So uh, please help yourselves. Some of you have got them. I didn't know how many copies to make. The other little... Um, diagram there is the journey that we're on we are on a journey into the heart of God and again some of you guys have got this and on there is a stairway this may actually this teaching might actually bring you to a place where you understand some of the things that have happened in your life only truth that is lived out can be added and when the stairway is complete it takes us from one level to another and you do not go up a level until God takes you up it. When you get on the next one the whole process starts all over again so you get an increase in the pressure on you, the trials on you, the whole thing starts all over again. Everything begins and ends with God, with his delight, he's delighted with you, he loves you to distraction he adores you, didn't spare his own son. So everything begins and ends with his delight over you. As you'll see when we do the cycles of intimacy, he works in a circle. It's not linear like us. Everything is of him and through him and to him. Comes from him and goes back to him. So if anybody wants a copy of that, there we are. And again, I should try to remember to put them with the CDs so that everyone gets a copy. So singing a new song, it's all about you. I won't, I won't try to sing it for you. I'll bet, spare you that. As Graham would say, I don't want to pray for your healing afterwards. And all this is for you, for your glory and your fame. It's not about me, as if you should do things my way. For you alone are God, and I surrender to your ways. Had a lady here once, I'm just remembering it was so funny. She said... I'm trying to write that down, it's not about me, and I'm putting a capital M for me. <laughs> she said, I think I'm the centre of the universe, I think I've got a problem. <laughs> so a simple example of having a new song or seeing things from a different way, having a new paradigm, is that if you're married you're, or a husband or a wife, you suddenly understand the problem is that you actually have to live with the other person the way they are. You get a paradigm, instead of keep trying to change them, you get a paradigm shift in your understanding and that's a new song. Thank you, Father. You're going to enable me to live with them as they are, not try to change them. And it always results in praise to him. We experienced here a Keros moment in September during the last school. Um, those of you that were here know what I mean. It was a divine shift. 
It was the Monday morning of a weekend school. It finished on the Tuesday on and the Monday morning as I came into prayer, something awesome shifted in the spirit. Frightened me silly. The girls didn't know what was going on, but I just knew something had moved. Uh, and it's, it's awesome, it's scary when God moves into a different gear and you sense it in your spirit. It's just awesome. So we're in that divine shift. I'll be reading some prophetic words to you. Uh, I've got a number of them here. Um, this is a prophetic ministry, so I will always be coming from the prophetic side. That's the way I will be doing it. because, And we're meant to all be prophetic, all to be able to prophesy. Not all have the office of prophet, but all may prophesy. Desire it, Paul says, doesn't he? So, Keros moment. For those of you, anybody not understand what a Keros moment is, please, because I'll explain it if you don't. Right. We live in Kronos. We live in time. Boil an egg, catch a train, certain time. We live in a time frame. A Keros moment is when God breaks into our time scale. It was a Keros moment when Jesus came. He came at the right time. Everything was prepared, even down to the language was prepared. Koine Greek had just been invented by Alexander the Great and when Jesus came the gospel got out fast. It was a Kairos moment. So that is what it is. It's God's timing. He breaks into our time and things are never the same. That's why I said there was a shift because it's never the same. We've had visitations. This is different. We're up for habitation now and transformation and reformation we're going to start speaking a new language so that's what we're into a divine shift so there's a divine opportunity being held out to us to move if you like from a slow foxtrot to a quick step uh, because on the notice board out there is, is um, a little word that I got through the email from uh, Graham Cook's prayer partner coordinator and it's all about acceleration 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 there is a God's got his foot on the accelerator big time he's just got his foot flat on the floor uh, and uh, so if we're sensible we'll fall in behind and catch it <laughs> but we need to move uh, so prophets are speaking not of a new day not of a new season but a new era and an acceleration and when God touches us we experience life that's spelt capital L-I-F-E <laughs> remember that lovely um, advertising campaign for Billy Graham uh, all those years ago never did understand it at the time of course wasn't a Christian then so life or was I just maybe life is when the king invites us into his realm and he shows us something and gives us a new song. That's what life's about. So while you're here, my expectation is that he's going to give you a new song. He's going to put a new song in your mouth, even praise to our God. He's going to do a transformation of the way you've looked at things, at kingdom, at church, at yourself, where you fit. He's going to transform that. You're going to have a transformation, how you've looked at him. 
Hopefully in the evenings we're going to listen to uh, something about the nature and character of God. Not quite sure what he wants yet, but we will be keeping going. I'm going to push as much into you while I've got the time, while I've got you captive, as I can. So, a Kairos moment is when God breaks into our everyday existence and suddenly we have a starburst of fireworks and light and we see things differently. The other thing that happens is when we touch the life of God we feel limited, inadequate and incapable. It's brilliant. It's one way I know that I'm really touching God. It scares the pants off of me. But it's when I know. I know I can't do this thing. Not in a million years can I do this thing. Ask Isaiah. In Isaiah 6.1 He says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And then he gets a realisation in verse 5. Woe is me, I'm undone because I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips for my eyes have seen the King the Lord of hosts he saw something and it changed him forever and the first thing he experienced was his own uncleanness in the light of God that happens when you get into the presence suddenly you're aware of all your spots and blemishes but he reaches out and touches you and you are never the same he makes you clean. Again, some of you have heard this before, but I was having a quiet time some years ago and suddenly I saw the sun and I saw the moon and I'm saying to the Lord, so the moon is reflecting the sun's light, isn't it? Yes, that's like you. You reflect my... Oh, that's nice. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking at these two things thinking, that's lovely. And then he zooms me in on the surface of the moon. Bumps and craters. <laughs> oh! <coughs> that's not so good <laughs> he said the closer you get to the light the more your blemishes show up but the more he will remove them if you will stand still and let him so if you're detecting that there are blemishes and things that you sort of need to say to him Father I'm sorry about that Father I'm sorry about my attitude in that Lord I'm <coughs> sorry Father I've struggled with this bring it to him because it's not an obstacle to him. Whatever it is, it's not an obstacle to him. It may be a huge obstacle to you that you've tried and tried to cover up like an ostrich covering her egg. And he comes along and every time he uncovers it, so she goes, let's cover this thing up, quick, quick, quick. And he says, no, 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 I want to get at this thing. So if he's uncovering something, let him. Let him make you clean. Let him do it. I nearly got my little checklist for confession. That was a funny... Someone was here last Monday and uh, just wanting a chat for five minutes and I thought, I wonder what it is you're saying, Lord. And the corner of my checklist for confession was just sticking out in the little ministry room and I sort of pulled it out and started reading from the top. Succumbing to flattery. <laughs> I think i better read that, he said. <laughs> So I thought, that's what you come for, that's fine, lovely, you get on with that then. And that makes my life very easy and I'll move on to the next thing. So a new song, when heard, when sung and comprehended, has to be lived, has to be embraced. It becomes your possession. 
it makes you willing to risk again. Church can damage us, can't it? But it must never damage how we see God. Some people give up on God because they've actually given up on church. God, kingdom, church, three different things. So if church has hurt you, get healed this week and go on. Begin to receive a kingdom ethos. Look higher, aim higher in God. God can build with burnt stones, you know. Ask for the lion's roar, that's why I left him up there, to come back. Whatever you need, ask, seek, knock, and the door will be open to you. Just ask big, that's all. Ask for the lion's, lion's roar to come back. I get like this internal roar sometimes. I'm so sure some of you do. Uh, when the lion's roar is back, that's because there's a new song in me. And when the new song, song starts, then I'm willing to risk again. It shows me my weaknesses, not somebody else's. And it allows me to let go of everything but God. When you have life working in you, it surpasses the fix-it mentality. It's beyond programs and plans, man's ideas of God. The new song actually forces me to my knees, puts me on my face, causes me to hunger for him and his purposes, makes me willing to risk again. So fasten your seatbelts, please, you are about to get a new song. I will throw out a lot of questions in this first session. Don't be overwhelmed, beloved. Just catch the ones that speak to you. It seems to me God's way with me. Um, it's very Hebrew. It's the way the Jews actually communicate with one another. When you see the, the Gospels, they ask Jesus a question and he responds with one. It's a Jewish way of, of dealing with things. So, Because Jesus is Jewish, maybe it's, I'm a chip off the old block. So don't be phased or try to get them all down if you're taking notes. Grab the ones that speak to you. Let them provoke you into thinking, into changing your current mindset. Because my aim is to move you from one place in God to another, to challenge, to inspire, to encourage, to build you up in order that you remain on fire with love for him and are not consumed by outside pressures and the intensity of the battle. We'll talk a little bit about, maybe if God will, what spiritual warfare really is on Thursday. Because I think the church has largely missed it regarding what we consider to be spiritual warfare. So if you've lost your first love or maybe never even had it, I pray that you will have regained it or experienced it by the end of the week. I said to Joyce I was going to put that on my my front this morning I'm on fire for Jesus and the other bit on the back are you just for a, just to make you laugh but I was in, so nervous by the time I came to this that I'm always exactly the same it's good perhaps hey, isn't it uh, I'm fine until the night before and then I go to pieces I haven't got enough material I haven't got this right going over my notes got that oh stop whinging so what I will be teaching on, really, essentially, is life in the Spirit. It's how God likes to do things, how he likes to order things in the realm of his heart. The kingdom is within you. You don't have to look out there for it. It's in here. So we have to learn to live in abi and abide in the place that God's put us in Christ. 
We have to learn to live. It is no longer I that live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. No longer two lives to be lived, but one, his, through you. That's what the Eros Agape exchange is all about. <coughs> From our natural love to the Agape love of Christ coming through us. We can't manufacture it. I'll come to it a little bit later. I suspect I'll be teaching on it as much as I understand of it later in the year. But essentially it is an exchange that because we learn to put the first commandment first which sounds, somebody said to me, don't I, am I not supposed to love my husband and my children then? Yes, you are. But if you love him first, you receive his love and you love them differently. You love them with an encompassing love that overlooks all sorts of things and always seeks the best for them. God always gives you something better in exchange for what you give him. So if I give him my eros, he will give me his agape. Agape? Thank you, I can't pronounce it. One of my words I can't pronounce. So he will give that to you in exchange. But the exchange has got to take place. It's got to be vertical before it's horizontal. We never, never do anything going horizontal first. So God has placed us in the one place where we can get all our needs met. I can hear the girls on a Wednesday group saying this is the same record we have every week. All our prayers answered in Christ. There are successive levels of relationship with God in the Spirit and we have to come up a level and see life from a different perspective. That's what that little stairway is about. He takes you from one level to the other as you're ready. So we just entered a new year. Question. What plans have you made to upgrade your relationship with God this year? What plans do you have to upgrade your worship? What fruit of the Spirit does God want to produce in you this year? All your tests will be around this one. What does he want to be for you right now in the situation or situations you find yourself in? Everything he does is to lead you into a deeper and deeper place in his great heart. So we'll be exploring these and other concepts over the next few days. It may be new <coughs> to you, it may be not. Either way, enjoy. It's one thing to learn all this stuff and another for it to become flesh on us. God loves to make things real to us. And sometimes we have to, as Graham says, learn to lay still under the hand of God. Learn to kiss the hand that hurts. He allows things in our life that we would rather he didn't. Life can be difficult. But it's all about how we approach it that makes the difference. Do we just go through it or do we grow through it? One that I coined years ago, I want to grow through this, not just go through it. Because if I don't grow through it, I'll go through it again, mm -hmm. if you see what I mean. So I done got a bit sensible in that. Please, Lord, can I grow through this? Trials are necessary. We hate it, but they are. We don't grow on the mountain top, we grow in the valley. 
we just get to choose how fast we move. Everything is for our profit and God is in control of every situation no matter how difficult that you might find yourself in right now. Nothing can come at us except he allows it and if he allows it it will ultimately be redemptive and bear fruit. So life in the spirit is about levels, spirit levels. On every new level you meet not only a bigger devil but also more human opposition. A recent revelation of mine, that one. <laughs> the first is to grow you on spiritually to the size of that which is coming against you. Another level, a bigger devil. And as Graham says, you have to beat the devil on the level that you're on. So you get on a level and you see this thing coming at you and God grows you on to be <coughs> as big as the thing that is coming against you. Because he's to cut off your retreat. You turn around and think, I'm getting out of here. He says, sorry, just pulled up the ladder, you're stuck. So you're there facing this thing, huge, never seen it before. Get yourself a stepladder, get up there, chop its head off, spit down its neck. That is the answer because God will grow you on to be as big as that which is coming against you. This is in the spiritual dimension. And the people, they're there to grow you in grace. So God scores every time and we can't lose. Great deal. Uh, it's just that it's sometimes somewhat uncomfortable living through it. <coughs> so keep this in mind as we go on. One level to another and somehow if we don't make the tests and jumps on that level guess what we go round it again we can go round the thing so fast and so often we can get giddy in the process time to go straight God said to Moses didn't he you've compassed this mountain long enough you've gone round the desert long enough go straight so some of you maybe it's time to go straight time to see what has actually been happening in your life and make some sense of it you might already be identifying circumstances or situations where you've seen it before. Um, I often tell the story of my mum when she was young on, on a train and in the old days when the, then there were steam trains there were instructions to the drivers and it would be whistle which would mean they had to blow their whistle. And apparently my mother said, oh whistle, we've just passed that place. <laughs> so. If you find yourself in a place where you're thinking, I recognise, I recognise this, I've been here before, they keep coming up in various guises, and maybe different people, but it's the same situations designed to do something in you. If this is the case, just begin to do business with God right now. Ask him some questions. What does this mean? Very good question. Mary asked it of the angel, didn't she? What does this mean? She didn't go into unbelief. She simply asked the angel what it meant. What are you teaching me here? How do I position myself? How do I petition? How do I pray? Life in the spirit is about learning to ask questions. When Graham used to say that, he didn't say what questions and it took me a long time to form some. So you are getting the benefit of my hard one experience because I used to sit there and think, I don't know what to ask. 
that's when you engage the help of the Holy Spirit. I mean, I tell you, the best prayer you can ever pray is help. And He will. He will. Jesus said in John 14:12, Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater than these will he do, because I go to the Father. Is that your experience? Do you expect the supernatural every day? Do you actually expect when you pray for people things are going to happen? When you reach out your hand, is it your expectation and experience that these greater works are happening in your life? It's not mine yet. So, what's missing? Why isn't it happening? See what I mean about throwing out questions? It's no good us pretending that we are a powerhouse of a church, because we're not. We're a church full of programs and man's ideas. And I would venture to say that that is the difference, the paradigm shift that God is about to bring forth. That he's raising up his body, not just isolated people here and there, but the body to do the greater works. And every one of us have that dunamis, dynamite, exousia power within us. So we'll just stop for a moment, take a break. Thank you. Okay. I'll just uh, This is a prophetic word that I received. As I said, I've been getting prophetic words in from all over the place. This was young Kate from Frinton, and she received this on uh, Monday the 3rd of December last year. And this is what the Lord is saying to her. But I felt it's appropriate for all of us so we can pick out the bits that um, don't apply. She'd just come out of a church because God had led her out of it. And she was feeling a bit not sure, no fellowship, didn't know quite what to do. All the things you think I care about, I don't. All things are past and this is a new day. Yes, not a new season, a new day. Uncharted territory. There's not a place you will fit that will feel familiar to you. This is because it's not yet come. This next phase of my church is not spoken of, it's not written about, and is coming to pass by my direct revelation to my people. You will learn to trust your initial thoughts and be governed by your peace. I am your fellowship. I am your trainer. I will accomplish all I desire to do in you. I see your willing heart and understand the complexities that make you up. I created you. I also know the very things I am doing deep within you, knitting you together again into my purposes, so deep that there is no evidence that anything is happening. This coming year is going to be immense. I am birthing something in you that is so vast it will knock the socks off those around you. She's pregnant actually. Understand this, no one will be able to comprehend it because it hasn't been seen before. I didn't reveal my church in the Old Testament, but it was in my heart. I have not revealed this phase in written form, but have written it on the hearts of my people. With the ending of this year is the closing of a chapter of all, all things will be new. Yes, it will testify in your spirit and will not be out of line with my character. So much more is the importance of testing every spirit. So much more you need to test prophecy and stand in the truth. 
Come out and be separated to me, not to bondage and religion of man's making. I have amazing things I am going to reveal to you. Just keep walking as you have been. Serve me in your heart. Trust me to accomplish this task above all. Above all, believe in me and my abilities. Dream bigger, ask bigger, expect more. Many are waiting for the gate to open. Understand this. Open the eyes of your heart and hear. Jesus is the gateway into deeper revelation, deeper intimacy and deeper truth. You can come right now. You are already there, beloved. Look around, feel the grass, breathe the air. There is freshness and renewal for all who come. There is no mystery, no secret way in, no matter where you are, even in disobedience. I am there to wash all these cares away. If you let me, I will guide you into all these things. But first, you need to see yourself in Jesus, having all the favour and inheritance of a firstborn child, my favourite child. As I earn your trust, I will open up wider paths as I learn to trust you, and I will expand these paths into fields. You will be in such a broad place and so free. Daily choices still hold consequences. Choose wisely, but trust freely. If you step back into your spirit, the right choice will become apparent. I have not left you as orphans to make your own way in this world. I have given you my spirit. So step back, take the time to listen. It's not rocket science, this is simplicity. And she put on the end, hope this blesses you all. And I hope it blesses you all. So, God's hungry for us. You're here probably because you want more of God. Actually, you're here because he wants more of you. He's hungry for you. There is so much more he has for us all. So much more than we've ever asked or dreamt about. He's pressing us into himself in this new season, this new era. We are beginning to feel the heartbeat of God. He initiates, we respond. That's the way it works. We get one life to live. There's no dress rehearsal. Let's go for the real thing, today, every day. We're not created to be ordinary, mundane, average people. You can be like that if you like, but in the time I've got left, I'm going for much, much more. To be fully committed to life in the spirit, we need to understand the incredible engagement that Father seeks to have with our heart. Never underestimate the power of his passion to change, move and overcome all things. God has a passion for you that will overcome all the obstacles. There is a life waiting that needs to be fully explored. Don't live present past anymore. Make this the year you decide to live in present future in God. Enthusiastic engagement with God is our right, our privilege, our destiny and our identity. So let's go for it, for everything we've got. Fence sitting is out, definitely. Jesus said, I wish that you were hot or cold. He says it to the church at Laodicea. But because you are lukewarm, I will spew you out of my mouth. That's not a good thought. Let's have another one. As I said, he said to the church, you have left your first love. Not that you've lost it. You've left it. So if we've left it, 
let's turn around right now and begin to walk back it's so important that we commit to God's desire for our lives that we become heartfelt not headstrong as Graham would say and I fully intend to attack your heart attitudes this week one way or another you have been warned we must cease to be cerebral believers and become heartfelt believers knowing God from our hearts knowing his goodness his kindness his gentleness his persistence his constancy with us never leaves us alone thank God if we are mental purely mental in our approach we prize logic reason and rational thinking above trust faith sensitivity and obedience it's not hard to be obedient when you're in, obedient when you're in love it's not a struggle it's only a struggle when you don't know how loved you are and you're not actually in love with him when we have a purely mental relationship with him it's hard to hear him please him or be obedient logic will always talk us out of the faith response you have a tendency to think yourself out of obedience or rationalize yourself out of obedience or excuse yourself out of obedience on the grounds of what other people might think or say what's that got to do with it God is not logical or rational he's intuitive imaginative and creative he loves passionately and completely he will never change the way he feels about you he loves you all the way all the time he lives by faith and expects us to do the same but we can only trust what we know and experience 1 John 4:16 says we have known and have believed the love that God has for us doesn't that make your heart burn known and believe the love he has for us John 17:3 says this is eternal life that they may know you and Jesus Christ whom you have sent logic and reason have their place but it's after the event not before and that was what it was all about up front we need intuition intimacy and trust to align ourselves with God's requirements for obedience then we can see what it was all about whenever you're in a circumstance you can't see what it's about while you're in it when you come out the other side you see what it was all about reason is fine for processing what's already occurred but not for initiating the event we can't think ourselves into what God is about to do so everything God asks us to be and to do is everything he is he is the equipment for the job if you like without him zilch nada nothing we can't do this thing on our own he never intended that we should he wants such an intimate relationship with us that we're walking together with him every inch of the way yoked with him uh, Bob Mumford I've been listening to some of his stuff uh, and he's it's, it's actually talking about Christ's love starved bride and uh, you can see he's been married for a few years because he says no don't touch me leave me alone you know mm, don't you come near me and you can see <laughs> see the shake of the head and don't you put that thing on me 
talking about being yoked together with Christ and how we resist it. <laughs> now the bride is just like that. Don't you put that thing on me. <laughs> really funny. So yoke to him, he says, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And he says that's where we will find rest for our souls. So if we've got any sense, we'll line up with it, put our head in the yoke, stop chafing against it and walk with him. Give him your heart afresh each day. His mercy is new every morning. Not some mornings. Every morning. New day. Fresh start. Blew it yesterday. But hey, let's have another go today. Don't ever, 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 ever run away from God when you're in a spot of other. Because you'll run straight into the arms of the enemy. Run to him. He's big enough. He's not going to tick you off. He's not going to look down his nose at you. Run towards him. Run towards him. You have to develop. It's a discipline. Running towards him instead of running away. Because our instinct is to run away. It started in the garden. We run and we hide because we're afraid. So Father, I'm asking that you will continuously layer into us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. In Jesus' name. So Luke 24, 13-32. And the disciples here are on the road to Emmaus. And they're wondering where they missed it. They're talking amongst themselves. We thought, we thought, we thought. And Jesus comes up alongside and he says, What's up boys? So they tell him, Where have you been? They say, it's a bit rude, isn't it? Where have you been? You're the, are you the only one who doesn't know what's happened in Jerusalem? Well, clear passing is, mate. We thought and we thought and well, we thought and we were hoping. You know, all of this. We had great hopes. They were working from a different page. They thought that Jesus was going to be made king and they thought that he would depose Herod and they thought they wouldn't be under the oppression of the Romans anymore. They thought. They were looking for a king. He came as a suffering servant. Wrong page. So he gives them a Bible study. Begin, beginning at Moses, verse 27, and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures things concerning himself. Then they drew near to the village where they were going and he acted as if he would have gone farther. Do you notice he wanted to go on? It's not the first time that, that is, you see that. I think it's when he was walking in the water at one stage. He went as though he would go past the boat and they constrained him to come in. They constrained him to go in with them. What he has been saying to them has captivated their hearts. Their hearts are burning within them. And while they're breaking the bread, their eyes are opened and they see him and things from a completely different perspective. Paradigm shift like Our Lady. And their response? Did not our hearts burn within us? They had a paradigm shift in their thinking, the way they saw things. Do you think God would ever do that to us? Keep his hand over our eyes until we were ready to see something? Wouldn't you just like that, though? A road to Emmaus experience, feeling your heart burn within you? The heart of the issue is the issue of the heart. Your heart. 
Graham says on one of his most recent things, I didn't invite you into my head. When you became a Christian, you didn't invite me into your head, thank goodness. <laughs> didn't like what goes on in there. Instead of a galloping case of the wee thoughts, fancy having your eyes open to see things the way he sees them. It's called having a revelatory rationale about the situation. You see everything from a different perspective, a spiritual one. Things are no longer contained in the earthly, but you see beyond. And when you see beyond, everything looks completely different. People often come to me with situations and circumstances and they want to go into details about the situations and the circumstances. He said, I said, she said, they said. And I'm not looking at that. I'm wanting to see what God's saying. And it's the hardest thing in the world to get them to say, okay, what's God saying about this? Oh, no, no, you don't understand. Let me tell you. Yeah, well, you just told me. What's God saying? No, no, you don't understand. I do understand. What's God saying? Because it's not important what people's opinions are. It's what God is saying in the situation. So we have to go up, find out. Part of the prophetic is to find out what God is saying in the situation. Because then when you get that, you see from a different perspective. It's a paradigm shift. Everything looks different. But it's relational. You remember Jesus said, uh, You are my friends, if... He keeps his secrets for his friends. And when we start looking at cycles, we'll be seeing that one of the part of the cycle is friendship. You do, don't you? You don't share all your innermost thoughts with anyone, do you? So you share it with those closer. So draw close and allow him to speak to your heart. Open your heart as wide as you know. He only needs an inch and I have to tell you, he'll take a mile and you'll love it. You let him in and he'll have the lot. So another example of uh, revelatory rationale and seeing things from a different uh, perspective is uh, 2 Kings 6, 11-17. Elisha and his servant Gehazi. The king of Syria is in trouble and he's troubled at everything that's happening in Syria's camp. The king of Israel seems to be getting to know. So he thinks they've got a spy in the camp and one of his servants says to him, not so, my lord, but Elisha the prophet, who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. So the king of Syria sends out horses and chariots, verse 14, and a great army, and they surround the city. And Graham's got a brilliant spin on this. About to send his servant down to Starbucks for the morning coffee and the paper, and the servant sees they are surrounded. He runs back in. We're stuffed, it's Christmas, and we're the turkeys. That's the earthly perspective. Elijah comes out in his pyjamas, looks at the same scene and says, well, there's more with us than there are with him. That's the place to live. He saw into the spirit the truth of the situation. And subsequently he prays and asks the Lord to show the servant what he could see. And in verse 17, Behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha all depends on how you look at it. So we need this paradigm shift in our thinking. No matter where we are or how much we think we know of him, there is more. So very much more. God is the God of much more. 
My prayer is, Lord, open the eyes of our understanding that we might behold you. Matthew 18, 1 to 6, and here Jesus lays down how we need to become to enter the kingdom of heaven. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child to him, set him in the midst of them, and said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted, literally turned around and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depths of the sea. Condition for entry into the kingdom? Childlikeness. Living in dependency and wonder. This is a prophetic word of Graham's in the back of this Living Independency and Wonder book. It's <clears throat> headed up, Childlike Learning. To become a fully mature son, you must first learn the ways of a child. Learn to be open, trusting and small. Feel the joy of smallness wrapped in the immensity of me. Learn to exchange your inadequacy for vulnerability its weakness with laughter. Clap your hands and shout at the pleasure of being small. Then lift up your arms in confidence and I will bear you up. Let your eyes be bright. Allow my love to overwhelm you. Enjoy the feeling of fear dying and confidence increasing. Face the day in total rest. Grace is good for me. It enables me to touch you continuously, to speak, to draw near, to be present always, to enjoy your childlike heart, to be one with you. Grace is good for you, makes you feel good about yourself. You are not what you were by grace. You are not yet what you will be, that will be by grace. Therefore, you are who you are now, by grace. Grace provides you with the confidence to know that you are always welcome, always wanted. Enjoy the grace you have and use it boldly as a favoured child. Learn to see as a child would, to look beyond the natural. Train your eyes to see my hand, your ears to hear my voice, for I'm always working and endlessly speaking. Hear me as I speak to others and be my voice to them. For all that you share will gladden your heart. Watch what I'm doing round you. Be ready to be included and I will astonish you. Be prepared to be amazed. Allow me to use your will to touch your mind. As they deliberately collaborate, your emotions will serve your spirit. This is divine order. Practice it daily and wonder will grow. Laugh more, worry less. Wonder has expectation that releases faith. Practice simplicity and you will never be confused. 
Complexity increases procrastination. You will always put off what you don't understand. Simplicity turns faith into works, for it enables you to see the next small step you must take. Above all, enjoy. Enjoy being mine. Love your belonging. Enjoy finding peace, always there. Enjoy the grace of the present moment, no matter what's occurring. When you live in Christ and not your circumstances, then you can enjoy the moment and see a better outcome, no matter how hard the situation. The fruit of wonder is joy unspeakable. Joy is the source of strength. Everything's a cycle. All you need comes from me. It works in you, through me, and returns from you to me. Being childlike is to make sure that being in that cycle you do not disconnect, but remain with me. So redemption is all about recovering something. We have to recover a way of thinking and a way of being, a way of acting that truly reflects who God is and what he's like. Not religiosity, not white shirts, black trousers and the Bible under your arm. Those of you who know the uh, guys up the road will know what I mean. But the divine DNA, DNA that links us with the Father heart of God. We need, as uh, Joyce May would say, a check up from the neck up about what kingdom life is all about. The kingdom, Jesus says, is all about me. How I like to do things, how I like to order things in the realm of my heart. We'll be soaking later on to one of Graham's prophetic words and you will probably hear this right at the beginning. The kingdom, it's about me. I want my enjoyment too. So one of the things God's doing right now is showing us that it's about Him. The kingdom is about Him. It's His kingdom. We can get so self-centered that we don't realize the kingdom is about Him. So we're retreating to advance, if you like. We're retracing our steps to a new beginning in our spiritual journey, in our relationship with the Lord. Life in the Spirit is about displacement. It's about replacement theology. Have another thought about God and who He is and what He's like. So I'm going to give you a couple of questions at uh, the end of this day. Uh, and you won't need to bring them back. You work out your answers before God and you will learn something about your relationship with Him. As I said, uh, this week we're going to listen to a tape every evening on the character of God, the nature of God. I'm not sure whether we're going to listen to Joyce Mayer or um, Roger Price yet, but God's not told me, but he will do as it comes to it. So by the end of the week, hopefully we'll have a different understanding, a change of our perception of who he really, really is and who we are in relation to him, replacement theology. We have so many preconceived ideas about him, haven't we, that we bring into Christianity. And we grow a few more on our journey. 
I mean, I didn't think I had any when I came in, but I sure as heck got some as when I hadn't been in five minutes. And comes the time when he says, sweetheart, let's get to ba back to basic. That tree's running wild. So he comes with his pruning shears, and what we thought we knew and understood about him lies chopped off on the floor, and we begin to feel very bare and exposed. He will have us see him and know him as he really, really is. He's beautiful beyond description, the song says, doesn't he? Too marvellous for words, too wonderful for comprehension like nothing ever seen or heard. You cannot refer to him without using superlatives. Awesome, great, mighty, powerful, magnificent, amazing, astonishing. One of my favourite passages is the one in Isaiah 40, 18 and 21. To whom then will you liken God? Have you not known? Have you not heard? At that point, stand there with finger in mouth. Thank you. Um, has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It's he who says, You are my beloved, my treasured possession. So thank you, we'll stop there.